This morning we continue our celebration of Advent. And last Sunday we saw that Christmas starts in Bethlehem. This Sunday we see that Christmas comes to shepherds in Bethlehem's fields. In Luke 10 we see that the angel of the Lord announces good news of great joy that will be for all people. And this angelic announcement is given to shepherds who are watching over their fields And this announcement brings great fear when they see the angel, and yet this good news of great joy that is for all people is announced to this group of shepherds for the first time. In Luke 2.11, we read, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Christmas starts in Bethlehem. And the first Christmas announcement is given to shepherds in Bethlehem's field. We go back again to Bethlehem for this place, this sacred spot in the world where God had prepared the hearts of his people to recognize Jesus, the coming shepherd. It's Bethlehem, the city of David. This city, just six miles south of Jerusalem, a city where shepherds were watching their flocks and the heavens opened and this first Christmas was announced to them. The true king of the world, David's son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. It was in this same place that David himself was anointed as a king. David, who had been a shepherd. And we want to follow how God weaves the story of Jesus in advance through the life of David. And that's what we're pursuing this Advent season. How can the Bible prefigure or foreshadow the ministry and identity of Jesus in the life and reign of David the king, it's because God is sovereign over history. It's because God corresponds often the beginning with the end. It's like the author of a great story who foreshadows things to come and weaves those themes inside the storyline so we can recognize the plot and its fulfillment in Jesus So let's go back to Bethlehem again, as we did last week, when we saw that woven into the line of David is a son who would draw the hearts of all nations to himself. And this morning, we'll look at Jesus, the son of David, the anointed king who will shepherd his people in righteousness. In 1 Samuel 16, the Lord had sent Samuel the prophet to Bethlehem. Saul had been rejected as king for his disobedience to God and his rejection of God's commands. The Lord told Samuel to fill your horn with oil. Go, I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel did what the Lord said. He went to Bethlehem. When he came to the city, he approached Jesse and they gathered together in a public space for a sacrifice to the Lord. Jesse brought his sons to Samuel, first Eliab, the oldest, and Samuel thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said, do not look upon his appearance or the height of his stature. I have rejected him for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man sees on the outside, the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesse brought his second son, Abinadab, his third son, Shammah, 
And seven sons are brought before Samuel the prophet, but the Lord had not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? Jesse replied that there remains just one, the youngest son, but he is keeping the sheep in the ESV translation. The Hebrew says literally he is shepherding. Our first glimpse of David in scripture is as the youngest son who is shepherding the sheep. David's task as shepherd highlights for us qualities that are required of kings. David's responsibility as shepherds fill us with a picture of what it means to be a faithful leader of people. We are continuing to use the rich resources of Bible Journey. I want to share with you just a short clip with Tim Laniak introducing us to David's world as a shepherd. If we could play that together. When you think about the kind of family and home that David grew up with in Bethlehem, uh, as a shepherd, David was probably a family member who was the youngest, as we know, who was in charge of caring for a relatively small flock like this one. The family probably had uh, gardens and farms, orchards and vineyards, uh, but in Bethlehem they were on the edge of the wilderness where you could go out during the winter if there was enough rain to get grasses and uh, sustain the flocks during the winter months. Um, this is really part of what sometimes uh, uh, an economist will call a dimorphic society when you blend your assets and you blend your approaches to subsistence so that the family can live off the land as well as the flocks. So part of what you want to understand is the relationship between families, flocks, and fields to understand that, that way of life that was characteristic of so much of Israelite history. When you think about the... The shepherd watched over his family flocks. And I want to take some time to consider shepherding we had a rich time this weekend on Friday night at Kenwood, a night in Bethlehem, and we had our own flocks here just for the evening. It was a delight to see them, to interact with them, to feed them, to see the joy of children petting them and calling them by their names. We had two separate flocks, although I think they were part of one larger group. For David, shepherding was a vocation, it was a task. It was part of his family's calling and occupation. In Israel, at the center of the land of Israel is the hill country. It's the mountainous area around Judah and Samaria. The average height is about 2,400 feet in altitude. These are the mountains and valleys that in Deuteronomy drink rain from heaven. Rain that fills underground springs and pools and these pools often survive through the dry season. Israel's countryside, this area, is known as the land of milk and honey, referring to the milk of flocks and the produce of the fields. To the east and the south of the mountains of Judah are semi-arid areas. These areas receive less rainfall than is required for agricultural production. These wilderness areas are in fact the bridge between the fertile areas of the land flowing with milk and honey and the truly desert areas further in the south. 
These semi-arid areas are, in fact, the home for large flocks who are fed by shrubs and grasses that grow on the slopes and the valleys. And it is in these wilderness areas that a wise shepherd knows how to find green pastures in the midst of these otherwise desolate areas. A wise shepherd knows how to find streams in the desert. Oftentimes, flash floods or Intermittent rainfall will cause these riverbeds to fill with water and then empty into still pools in the desert. This is the context of David's shepherding, his pastoral work. Sheep are mentioned, as Pastor Scott said, hundreds of times in the Bible. The most common sheep in ancient Israel is the Owasi sheep, known for its rugged appearance, its suitability for this land and its charm in this region. The Owasi sheep and these flocks are a valuable family asset. Family flocks would range from 25 to 60. Larger flocks for wealthy families might number in several hundred. Milking, which lasts for five months, provides fat and protein, butter, yogurt, and cheese. The Owasi sheep produce about 100 liters of milk each year. Wool valued in Israel for a variety of uses. Flocks also provided natural fertilizer for the plowed fields. It is in the farmer's best interest, shall we say, to open his flocks to the sheep after the grain fields are harvested and the flocks move in, they eat the stubble, and then graciously fertilize the fields for the next season. In Bible Journey, in the study of the Gospel of John, there is a profound and short video that is an interview that Tim Laniac does with a Bedouin shepherd named Abu Sabah. He was a sheik in his region. He is interviewed and talks about the primary responsibilities of shepherds. He says that shepherds focus on three things, provision, protection, and guidance. The most pressing challenge for a shepherd is to provide food and water for animals in environments that often withhold them. In the hot summer months, sheep must drink water daily or risk dehydration and death. A shepherd must keep his flock within a 20-mile radius of a reliable water source. Natural springs are the simplest and most envied and contested of sources. Wells provide access to the water table, and once they are dug, can be maintained for generations, like the well of Jacob. Shepherds utilize the winter rains that bring green to the hillsides and turn dry valleys into streams. And these streams often flow into temporary pools, quiet water, which lasts for months. A shepherd must make sure that flocks have a variety of their vegetable diet and must be careful not to graze too soon or overgraze an area. Sheep are typically led by the shepherd in the front, though they are occasionally driven from behind according to the shepherd's plan. The good shepherd must lead with knowledge. He must lead with compassion, knowing that the pregnant and nursing ewes need more rest and extra nutrition as do the lambs. Shepherds must provide the right balance of eating and drinking and rest. 
Shepherds provide for their flocks. They are not able to provide for themselves. Shepherds protect the flock in their care. There are many threats that require the shepherd's protection. The weather itself can be an enemy. Cold nights with frost, driving rain or hail, summer heat with hot east hamsin winds can wreak havoc on a flock. Shepherds must be able to predict the weather and the amount of water and pasture needed in anticipation of every move they make. If a shepherd neglects mothers and young or drives the flock too hard, it can bring death. A shepherd's protection is required most dramatically at night. As shepherds lead their flocks into some type of enclosure or sheep pen. These sheep folds are often places in the rock where the sheep pass under the shepherd's rod being counted and named. They move under the shepherd's hand into safety. For there are many threats in the wilderness. Shepherds must be vigilant. They must be vigilant over diseases that can easily ravage a flock. They must be vigilant over animal predators like wolves, bears, leopards, and lions. When David says to Saul before his confrontation with Goliath that we will look at next week, David says, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion, a bear, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. Shepherds also face human threats. Thieves break in and steal, sometimes one, sometimes plundering entire flocks. Finally, the landscape itself can be confusing, frightening, and dangerous, especially in the deep darkness at night in the wilderness. It might be a matter of life and death to remain on the right path. Shepherds face these challenges with two simple but versatile implements, a club or rod, a simple weapon fashioned from a tree branch used to protect and defend the flock. The staff was used for support, for picking off branches or pulling a trapped animal into safety or even redirecting misbehaving members of the flock. The shepherd's rod, the shepherd's staff signaled the shepherd's protective care and a regular tapping alerted the flock that the shepherd was nearby even in the darkest valley, even in the pitch darkness of night. Shepherds provide, shepherds protect, and shepherds guide. Attentive shepherds supply daily guidance for the welfare of their flocks. They became endeared to their flocks who grew accustomed to hearing the distinct sound of their voice. Responsible shepherds know every member of the flock, their birth circumstances, the history of their health, their eating habits, and other idiosyncrasies. The shepherds often call members of their flock by name. And one of the most remarkable characteristics of the shepherd's relationship with the sheep is to see an entire flock move in response just to the shepherd's voice. Shepherds in ancient Israel, shepherds like David, were distinguished by their broad knowledge They were known as capable people. The qualities required from shepherds to provide, protect, and to guide were a direct reflection of the character of God who identifies himself 
as Israel's shepherd above all. In Exodus 15, the Lord is proclaimed as the one who has led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy pasture. In Psalm 78, we read that the Lord led his people out of Egypt like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid. David's life as a shepherd is carried out in imitation of God, the great shepherd of the sheep, Israel's shepherd above all. And David's knowledge and experience as a shepherd is an experience in which he also knew personally the shepherding care of the Lord himself. And David wrote about this most beautifully in Psalm 23, one of the most treasured of Psalms. In Psalm 23, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will lack no good thing with the Lord's shepherding care to provide for me. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. God's sovereign, powerful, providing shepherding leads us to pasture, leads us to waters that can be safely consumed. The Lord's shepherding of David results in a restoration of soul. Sheep grow tired, weary, exhausted, and a wise shepherd, the Lord, brings us to places where we can feed and drink, and our life is restored in strength. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord provides for us. Not only does he provide, but he protects. David writes in Psalm 23, 4, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that, that deadly deep darkness that is the sheep's companion in the wilderness, I will fear no evil. The reason that we, cannot, we are not afraid this morning, beloved, is the simple and profound reality that the Lord is with us. I will fear no evil, no calamity, for you are with me, and there are the shepherd's protecting instruments, his rod to ward off enemies, his staff to pull us back to safety, and the presence of the shepherd, the sound of his implements bring comfort. He is near. He will lead us through the valley of the deathly shadow, and we emerge on the other side, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Psalm 23 ends with the shepherd's guidance to complete the journey. Surely goodness and mercy, God's goodness and his chesed that we considered last Sunday, his covenant love, will follow me and we have the image of the shepherd coming around behind us. God usually leads us from the front, but occasionally, just like when we came out of Egypt, the pillar of cloud and fire moved around behind us. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David experienced God's shepherding care of him personally, 
The intimacy of Psalm 23 has sustained and encouraged our own faith for generations. And we see that leadership in the Bible is not personal ambition, but divine imitation. To be a leader in the Bible is not something that you aspire to. It's not something that you grasp. It's something that you reflect the Lord's leadership of his people. David's life experience as a shepherd prepared him for God's anointing. When he came before Samuel, he was taken from tending the sheep and anointed as king. And God told him that he would shepherd his people. Israel's experience in the land is an experience where kings are compared with David. They are compared with David who who shepherds the people in imitation of the Lord in righteousness. And yet the vast majority of Israel's kings did not follow this example. They behaved like earthly kings who exploited the people, who became wealthy off of their labor, who pursued personal gain at the expense of the nation. They were corrupt and followed even after other gods. And the Lord brought judgment. The Lord brought judgment upon the people and promised that he would send a new king, that he would send a new king, that he would come himself and shepherd the people again in righteousness. Israel's prophets point forward to Christmas with this image of a coming shepherd. The Lord Almighty will come and he will restore and bring the son of David to govern and to shepherd in righteousness. Isaiah speaks of it in this way in Isaiah 40, that he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. In Ezekiel 34, the Lord promises to come. He speaks a word of judgment against false shepherds who damage the flocks for their own gain. And the Lord says, I am against you. He says in Ezekiel 34, 15, that I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. He says, I will come, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. The fat and the strong I will destroy. God says, I will feed my people in justice, in righteousness. And he says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. The Lord promises his people that a king will come in righteousness, that this king will exercise God's very own shepherding, and this king will be a descendant of David. The prophet Micah says, But you, O Bethlehem, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah, yet from you will come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. He shall be great to the ends of the earth. 
This is the very passage that when Herod asked the question, where is the Messiah to be born? The chief priests and scribes quoted Micah 5. In Bethlehem, the Lord had promised one who would come, a son of David who would shepherd over the people in righteousness. And so how fitting it is that the first Christmas announcement is given to shepherds in the field. We return back to these fields around Bethlehem. And in this region, they were there. They were watching over their flock by night. The image of shepherds living out in the fields, exercising vigilant care at night, watching for predators, watching for thieves, attentive to their flocks, doing their jobs well. And the Lord who had promised to shepherd us in righteousness and who had given us a picture of that very act in David the king now rends the heavens. The angel of the Lord appears. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear, with awe. And yet the angel calms the fear of the shepherds with good news of great joy for all people. Christmas is for all nations. Christmas is for all people. Christmas is good news of great joy. And that great joy is of God's sovereign plan foreshadowed in the life of David, promised in the prophets of a Savior who would be born, Christ the Lord, in the city of David. The geography, the timing, the manner of Jesus' birth is all according to God's sovereign plan. He is working his plan to perfection, that Jesus would be born, that his arrival would be announced to shepherds, and that Jesus then would come into this world. He would draw the nations to himself. He would draw the shepherds to his manger. And he himself would grow and lead his people as their shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that the sheep will hear his voice. Jesus says the sheep hear the good shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. A stranger they will not follow. They will flee from him. Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep did not listen to them. Jesus says, I am the door. If you enter by me, you will be saved. You will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus offers provision as the good shepherd. Jesus offers protection as the good shepherd. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired worker who does not own the sheep, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, will protect you and he will never leave you. Jesus offers us this morning provision, protection, and guidance. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus, the good shepherd, guides us with the sound of his voice and it is absolutely critical that we are a people who listen attentively to his voice so that we can recognize a voice that's out of tune with our Savior. Jesus' voice 
leads us. And Jesus' voice also leads a flock in movement in this world that is including the other. Jesus, the good shepherd, says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them in also. And they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock, one shepherd. One flock, one shepherd. Jesus fulfills in this statement the prophetic hope of Ezekiel 34. He has come, the son of David, the righteous shepherd, to lead us in righteousness. This morning, we are in need of this kind of shepherd, a shepherd who will provide, a shepherd who will protect, and a shepherd who will guide the first Christmas message is announced to shepherds vigilantly watching their flocks at night. And those shepherds recognize the content of this good news of great joy for all people. And I want to herald to you this morning this good news of great joy for all people that Jesus Christ, Son of David, our Savior, has come. And he desires to shepherd you. He desires to shepherd me in righteousness. Turn to him this morning and seek him as your provider. Turn to him this morning and seek protection from him as your protector. Turn to him this morning and seek him as your guide. He will lead us safely through the Savior born long ago in Bethlehem who lives and reigns this day and forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. We honor you, great shepherd of the sheep. We praise your name. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for the correspondence in Scripture between the task of shepherding and your description of yourself as our shepherd. Lord, we are the sheep of your flock, and you, you desire that we would produce the kind of things that would bring blessing to those around us. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be attentive to the sound of your voice, that we would not go our own way, that we would not listen to the voice of false shepherds who do not seek our good. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear your voice alone clearly and that we would follow you wherever you lead. Lord, when we go astray, pull us back with your staff. When we are threatened by enemies, strike them down with your rod. Lord, continue the gentle tap announcing your presence so that we know that you're there. And Lord, when we go through dark valleys where we cannot see and we are only listening to your voice, help us to keep moving forward, trusting you with every step. Lord, this Christmas is different in so many ways. And yet we ask, Lord, that we would hear your voice clearly, that we would see the blessings that you have provided even in this season. We pray that you would continue to watch over us with protection and that you would guide us together as your flock. We thank you, Lord, that you watch over us day by day, night by night, that you guide us on this, our earthly pilgrimage, safely to your house, 
Lord, help us to follow you attentively and responsively every step of the way. We praise you, Lord Jesus, our Savior, born in Bethlehem, the city of David. In Jesus' name, amen.